Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want to pick up tonight. This is our last Wednesday night service. And Wednesday nights are always informal, open discussion, format type of deal. Uh, This is our last Wednesday night service before we go into our 21-day fast. So I want to pick up off some of the stuff that we said Sunday um, and try to get us ready for going into that. Um, I want to read to you what Jesus said about fasting in Matthew chapter 6. We've seen it Sunday, and I want us to look at it again. In verse 16, Jesus said, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I want to talk to you tonight from God's Word about fasting. Pray with me. God, thank you for your Word. Lord, I thank you for each person who's in this room. Lord, I thank you especially for Brother Jim, God, for strengthening his health and his mind, allowing him to continue to be in your house serving you. God, I pray that you continue to bless him, Lord, continue to bring healing to his body. God, we thank you, Lord, for the testimony of new salvation, Lord, and I pray for Ziggy now in Jesus' name, God. I pray for him that you would strengthen his mind, Lord. I pray that you would infuse him with hope, God. I pray that even wherever he is right now in whatever state he's in, that he would feel love around him, God. I pray that you would send laborers into his life that would share with him message of love and a message of hope, God. You you promised to, to give us more in life than what we could ever ask or hope for, God. So I ask you now in Jesus' name to, to heal his body and heal his mind and bring strength to him. Give him a desire to live and to be and do all that you've called him to be and do. God, I thank you for being here tonight, Lord. I pray for our teenagers and for our children in the other buildings, God. Lord, I pray that they would feel your love tonight and that they would know that you care about them. God, as we look to your word, I pray that you would anoint me to say the things you'd have me to say and help us to hear from you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been talking about this fast that's coming up. As a church, we have done this consistently from our inception 14 years ago that we would either fast the end of the year, getting ready for the new year, or we would fast in the first month of the year to set the tone for the whole year. And we are going to start a fast 6 p.m. on Sunday night going all the way through to 6 p.m. on the 31st, which will give us uh, 21 evenings and mornings, 21 solid days uh, on the clock, and we will come together that Sunday night, all who choose to, and we'll have Holy Communion, and we'll break that fast with the Lord's Supper. Now, here's the thing about a fast. Even though the Bible teaches us that we should sound an alarm, call for a public fast, you can't make people fast. I mean, even the people that live in your house, you could, you could deny them a meal every day, but you can't make them do the real work of fasting. And I want us to make sure that we get this because I know some of you are going to fast something, and I want you to get this. And I'm drilling into my kids' head because my kids have already decided what they're going to fast. And it is really huge, and, and it, it's big, and I hope they make it, and I'm praying for them. But not only does the fast have to cost you something, you got to give up something that you're going to miss. If you give up something you're not going to miss, it's not worthwhile. King David, when he was told to sacrifice to the Lord, and he, he had an opportunity to get the sacri- sacrificial things for free, the instruments that he needed for free, he said, no, I want to pay full price because I won't offer God anything that costs me nothing. And I want us to have a sacrifice mindset. 
it should cost you something. That's like I told you. I don't eat breakfast anyhow. I could easily say I'm going to fast breakfast for the next two years because I'm holy. But it wouldn't be holy. I don't eat breakfast, so it's not a fast for me. But not only should it cost you something, but you've got to understand it's not just about what you do away with. The bigger piece of that is what you add in. And I'm trying to get my kids to understand. Listen, okay, so, you know, you're going to give up sweet tea and all soft drinks? Well, that's huge for my kids. Uh, but it's not just about giving up that. You've got to pray more and you've got to read your Bible more. And I want you to make sure that if you go into this fast, um, that you increase your spirituality. There ought to be a passion in us anyway to be on constant increase, constant increasing our spirituality. Any endeavor you undertake in life, especially in the early days, there ought to be some measurable increase. I don't know how to play the piano. If I started taking piano lessons, I should be getting better and better and better and better. That would be my goal. Anything you learn, I I don't go to the gym. I don't work out. I know you're not shocked, but I don't do it. If I did do it, there should be increases. I should be getting better and better and better at doing that. The same thing for our spirituality. That's the problem with so many people that come to church and are bored with church and fizzle out of church and are easily offended while they're in church, so they leave as soon as somebody crosses their eyes at them. They, they stagnate, and you shouldn't stagnate in something that you've set your mind to grow in because then you become counterproductive to yourself. You become, and, and there's an internal conflict with you because the Holy Spirit that lives inside you wants to draw you closer to God, but if you don't allow that to happen and you plateau out or, God forbid, begin to decline spiritually, then there's a conflict on the inside of you, and that brings unrest. And that's how people that used to be in church all the time find themselves out of church. And I want to make sure that you have a passion to grow. Say grow. Every parent wants to see their child grow at the right time frame. Now, I don't remember because I'm a man. And, you know, men don't pay attention to all those things as good as ladies do when it comes to babies. Uh, When is a baby supposed to walk? Oh, I don't want to hear about your super baby. I mean, normal babies. Somebody said three months. Uh, a year, 10 months to a year. Okay, we go with that. If, 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 it's, if your baby walks at seven months, you feel like your baby's a stud. If your baby walks 10 to 12 months, you feel like your baby's maybe average. If your baby is uh, 18, 19, 21 months old and not walking yet, you as a parent would begin to realize something's off. Something's off. I don't know, when, what, what age do they read? Three, four, five, six, 10, 15, 27. If your child is not reading at the same time frame that they, the books say they're supposed to do it, you become concerned as a parent. These benchmarks are set out there and parents take note of them. Now, always remember, God is our spiritual father and we're his children. And we've got some people in this room or in this church or in the kingdom of God that have been saved for years I mean, some decades, but they they haven't grown any. Now, it shouldn't bother you to have to change your child's diaper, you know, until they're how old? Two? If you're still changing that child's diaper at four, five, six years old, you're going to be concerned and you're going to be upset. Um, Parents want their kids to grow. They want them to progress. 
They, they want them to achieve what they should be achieving. I, I believe God feels the same way about us spiritually. Now, I don't have time to go around person by person tonight. Um, and I've finally gotten to the place as a pastor, having, you know, pastored over in the other building when we would have over 500 people in a service. Um, I finally come to the place where I realize some of our better services are when there's only a handful of people. Because we got too many people in here tonight for me to go around one by one and really talk this thing out. But if you would have to tell us how long you've been a real Christian and then have to contrast how much have you grown in that time frame. Okay, so if I said, all right, a, a normal Christian, if we set benchmarks for how long it takes a normal Christian to start reading their Bible every day, how long it takes a normal Christian to where they become faithful to their tithes and offerings, how long it takes a normal Christian until they start operating in their spiritual gifts, would you, would you be on the right track? Now, the only track I know about is the height and weight track for my kids because the Army lists me at 5'10". I'm really about 5'9 and a half. If my back gets any worse, I'm going to be 5'9". But, and my parents, uh, my kid's mother who passed away was five foot tall. So my kids aren't going to be huge people. I mean, you, you take 5'9 and 5 foot, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be little people. So they, there's a percentile that they say show how big my kids are going to be. And the doctor told me as long as they stay in the, in the same percentile they started in, then they're progressing in a healthy fashion. Well, I wish we had a chart like that that showed how big they're supposed to be at three, how big they're supposed to be at four, how big they're supposed to be spiritually. So you could say, oh, Pastor Scott, I've been saved for 11 years. Okay, and I draw you to the chart. Well, then you're supposed to have won 79 people to the Lord. You're supposed to have memorized 1,400 scriptures, and you're supposed to be serving in your spiritual gift um, and, and praying all the time. And then we could say, oh, wow, I'm not progressing the way I should. Now, that chart doesn't exist because we all come along in our own progress. I just don't want to retard my spiritual growth due to lack of effort. I want to get everything out of this life that God has given me. I want to be everything that I'm capable of being. I'm, I, I don't have delusions of grandeur. I don't have aspirations of greatness. I don't want to be on television. I don't want to be on the radio. We've already had those opportunities, and I turned them down. Uh, I just want to be faithful to what God has given me. I want to teach God's Word to the people God sends here, and I want to raise my kids to love the Lord and die and go to heaven. That's, that, that's pretty much my whole game plan right there. Um, but I want to be the best me I can be. My track is not going to be what some other preacher's track is. Your track is not going to be what the person sitting around you is going to be. But are you progressing? That's what I want you to try to figure out in the month of January. Are you progressing spiritually? Because if all we're doing is coming to church, we are disappointing the Father. If all we're doing is showing up and, and we're still not moving past crawling to walking, we're not getting off mushed peas to eating, you know, some real cereal. We're not getting off cereal to eat meat. We need to be growing as Christians or we're not going to be on our right trajectory to become the men and women that God wants us to be. I want you to see in um, verse, put verse 17 on the screen for me, Keon. Jesus said, when you fast. I made that point twice on Sunday. I want to make it again tonight. When you fast. Jesus expected that his followers would fast. Fasting was not invented with 
with Christianity. Baptism was not invented with Christianity. Study of holy books was not invented with Christianity. Prayer and meditation was not invented with Christianity. But all these things are aspects of what Jesus expects from New Testament Christians to be. These, these are things that are really requisite to becoming who God wants you to be. Studying his word, praying, living holy, serving him. These are things that we need to be doing. And I want you to consider tonight really getting involved in this fast. I don't expect everybody to come all 21 days in a row. I'm not sure if my schedule is going to allow that to happen. Um, I'm going to make every effort I can. That's why I say come when you can. Pray for us if you can't. Schedules are busy. I get that. But I want you to try to come up here some during the week and just be in here in an atmosphere of prayer as we pray from 7 to 8 o'clock every night for the rest of the month starting um, this coming Monday. Uh, Jesus said when you fast. Fasting is important. I want you to get that. I talked Sunday night a little bit about what fasting is. It's denying yourself something that you enjoy so that you can give more attention to your spirituality. Make sure that you don't just deny yourself. Make sure you give more attention to your spirituality. That means more prayer. That means more Bible study. That means more singing to God. That means more listening to music that makes you think about God. That that means getting more involved in your own spiritual growth. And then I talked about nine different things, and I want you to see them again tonight because I want you to pick yours tonight. I didn't do this Sunday night because I knew we'd be back on Wednesday night, and it's not always true, and, and don't feel any pride because you're here on Wednesday night, but the experts say that your crowd typically is just average, run-of-the-mill, come-to-church-every-now-and-then folk come on Sunday morning, people that care a little bit more come back on Sunday night, and the ones who care the most come back on Wednesday night. Maybe that's true, and I want you, as the Wednesday night church coming crowd, uh, to pick one of these nine things. Listen to the nine things that have been seen that God has responded to that people fast for in the Bible. Number one, if you're in need of a healing or a miracle... I want you to fast. Now, see, you should be fasting. No, I won't tell you what you should fast. If I was you, I would be fasting for my dad's emotional state of mind. That, that would be big. When, when you have someone that needs healing, not just yourself, maybe someone in your family, needs a physical healing or some type of miraculous something to happen, when you need that, fasting is an ideal situation for you. You have come into a right place. God only has one requirement to do a miracle. Somebody needs to get a miracle. When there's a miracle need, that's when God steps in and does a miracle. So if you have a miracle need, you need to be fasting and praying that God would bring that healing, bring that miracle. Listen to these and see if any of these connect with you, if any of these stand out to you, because I want you to pick one of these nine, two, five, eight, nine of these nine. Number two, do you need the tender touch of God in your life? If you know maybe you're a little crustier than you used to be, if you know maybe you're just a little ornerier than you used to be, if you're just a little meaner than you used to be, if you need to, some tenderizer on you. Now, see, it takes a really honest person to admit that, especially church folk, because church folk want to act like they got all their stuff together, but we don't. Well, we're all a work in progress, and we need to admit that. And if you sense in your own, listen, here's the thing. It's hard to smell your own garbage. All y'all people that have cats, you don't know. Your house stinks like a zoo. It does. You don't admit it. It really does. All y'all that have live-in dogs, your house smells. You, no, not mine, Pastor. We bathe our dog every week. And, trust me. 
You let somebody come in there that ain't around animals, they know. It's hard to smell your own trash. But here's the deal. If you ever smell yourself, you're funky. You're, you're beyond the pale at that point. Everybody, Trust me, everybody smells. If you ever smell your own breath and it's bad, you need to run somewhere and get you something to do with your breath. Mint, gum, mouthwash, toothbrush, floss, something. When you start to notice things about you that are wrong, trust me, everybody else has already noticed. You, whoo, when you're ripe to yourself, yes, everybody can smell that. So if you know about you, and this is hard for most people to admit, but if you know you've hardened over the years, if you can sense about yourself, I'm probably a little rougher around the edges than I need to be. You need to fast and ask God to tenderize you, to give you a tender touch to help you be all that he wants you to be. Number three, if there's a dream inside you that only God can make possible, and this is big for me. Because what I do want to see is a healthy church. And I want to see a healthy church that is multiracial, and that is really hard to do. And that's why there aren't any of note in the country. And I have a dream inside of me that only God can make possible. Number four, if you're in need of a fresh encounter with God, maybe you're not crusty, maybe you're not ornery, maybe, maybe you're sensitive about the things of God, but you just really want something new from God. You really want a fresh encounter with God. You want to go higher and further than you've ever been. You need to write number four down on your list. Number five, if you desire a deeper, more intimate, powerful relationship with the Lord. This is really only for people who already have a growing relationship with the Lord. You have to have a more powerful relationship. You have to have an already powerful relationship. You have to have some power to your relationship to fast from number five. But if you know you've already got a daily quiet time, but you want to increase that, you know you're already walking with God closely, but you want it to be more intimate, God has responded to these types of prayers before. Number six, if you're ready to have a heightened sensitivity to the desires of God. Maybe you're not crusty. Maybe you're tender. Maybe you're sensitive. Maybe you're having a good quality prayer life. Maybe you're having a daily quiet time where you read the Bible and pray every day. Maybe all these things are happening in your life, but you just want to be more sensitive to God's desires. Here's the thing. A lot of people aren't doing what God wants them to do because they're not sure what God wants them to do. You need to fast and let God show you his desire for your life. And he can do that. Number seven, do you need to break away from bondages that have been holding you hostage? I talked about it Sunday, and I still believe it today, that most of us want to be better than we are. Most of us want to be all that God wants us to be, but we all have peculiarities. We, we all have different habits. We all have different weirdnesses about us that aren't exactly what we should be. And whether it's a habit, whether it's an addiction, whether it's some type of bondage, I've, I've told people for years, listen, if you've got a stronghold in your life, the reason why you can't get rid of it is because you can't get rid of it. If you could fix you, you'd already be fixed. If you could stop being mean on your own, you'd already been quit being mean. If you could stop being unforgiving on your own, you, you wouldn't be unforgiving anymore. If you could stop being bitter on your own, you wouldn't be bitter anymore. If you could stop drinking and cussing and smoking and whoring around and looking at porn, you'd already stopped all that on your own. But if you come to the place where you realize, I need God to help me with this thing because it's bigger than me. And that's another place where it takes real, I mean, just butt-naked, honest truth 
to say, I got some things I can't overcome. Most people aren't humble enough to admit that. Most people would not raise their hand in church and say, I've got this struggle in my life, and I just cannot shake it. Let me tell you something. I have, see, I'm blessed. This job is hard, but it's also awesome. It's got difficulty, but it's also got greatness that I do. Um, great times because I get to see people who are truly growing. I get to see people overcome stuff and get better. I've seen people overcome every possible addiction you can imagine and their life turn around. And if you've got something that you need broken off your life that you wish you didn't have to deal with anymore, you need to pray. You need to make number seven your number of fasting. You need to decide, look, I don't want to have to deal with this in 2016. You need to put some stuff behind you and ask God to help you get rid of some things. Number eight, if you've got a friend or a loved one that needs salvation, I think everybody should be praying during this fast for all the people they care about that they know are lost. Because the sad reality is they're, they're, the good news is there's a heaven waiting on everybody who has faith in Christ. The bad news is there's a hell waiting on everybody who doesn't. And Jesus preached 16 sermons while he was on the earth, 15 of them he talked specifically about hell. Hell's a big topic in the Bible. Hell was in Jesus' mouth. A lot of people don't like those preachers. They call them hellfire preachers, and I don't like the people. Listen, it's a reality whether we like it or not. It's a reality. Uh, the Bible says that the road to hell is wide, and many are on it, but the road to heaven is narrow, and only a few are on it. We need to be concerned about the many that are out there that aren't saved. Because the scripture says that when you close your eyes in this life, you open your eyes on the other side in one of two places. I was born into the Catholic church. They taught us, you know, even if you weren't a good Catholic, you know, if, if they said the mass for you after you died, if your parents bought the mass and they said the mass for you after you died, that you could get out of that holding spot and get pulled up into heaven by the prayers of the saints. And if you, you know, did a, none of that's true. There is no holding place between heaven and hell. That's not biblical. It's nowhere in our Bible or in the Catholic Bible. You open your eyes after, in another place. When you close your eyes here, either in heaven or in hell, and we need to be sensitive to the reality that if our friends, if our family members don't love the Lord, then we need to be concerned about their eternal resting place. And I believe that you should fast for people's salvation if you have a heart for them. Number nine, do you desire to know God's will for your life? If you are in a good place with God, but you've got an issue that you're not sure whether to go left or right on, you've got an issue that you're not sure whether to say yes or no to, you, you've got a dilemma that you just can't seem to get peace of knowing what the right answer is, then you need to fast to know God's will for your life. It's easy to know some things are God's will for your life. The Bible says that you should give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's will for us to be thankful. If you're not a thankful person, then you're not have, getting all of God's will for you, and you need to fast that you'll be more thankful. But if you've got a dilemma that you're not sure about, I want you to fast for God to give you direction to show you what his will for your life is. I shared with you uh, things that we're fasting for as a church. I won't go back over those with you tonight, but I want to, uh, Keon, pull up 1 Timothy 2.1 for me. I want to give you two verses of Scripture that will help you pray this month. Because some people don't pray because they don't want to. Some people don't pray because they're too convicted to pray. 
They feel guilty because they know they're doing too much wrong to pray. Other people don't know what to pray. Well, listen to what God said in 1 Timothy 2.1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, period. That is a huge sentence right there. All people, that's a whole lot. The Bible teaches us to pray for our friends, but also to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to pray for everybody. So we've got enough to pray for already just in that one sentence. But then, having been told to pray for everybody, God gives us instruction on how to do that. This is what prayer really is. Ask God to help them. You see that semicolon there, so we want to pause on the punctuation. As you pray for people, here's how you pray for people. You ask God to help them. All right, so you got to get a prayer list. You got to run down all the people that you know, and you got to ask God to help them. Then it says intercede on their behalf. Interceding is asking God for stuff for other people. If you know that uh, Ziggy is struggling with wanting to live, you should pray for him that God would help give him a desire to live. That's interceding for you got to know somebody's issue to intercede for them. And we don't always know each other's issue, so we can't always do the middle piece in this second sentence. But the third piece says, and give thanks for them. So here's the three things. Ask God to help them, pray for their needs specifically if you know it, and then give thanks for them. So this is your formula. This is your format. This is an acceptable way to pray for somebody. If I am going down my prayer list and I want to pray biblically so God will hear me, then I can say, God, I thank you for Stacy, And I ask you to help her. Now, if I know any situation that she's going through, I can speak to her specific situation. Then I say, God, I thank you for Julie. Then I can list all the things that I'm thankful for about these people if I know enough to be thankful about, or I can just say, God, I'm thankful for John, and I ask you to help him. This is what prayer is. Thank God for the person by name. Pray for them specifically if you know their specifics, and then ask God to help them. Now, what if five people prayed for you every day that God would help you? That would be pretty cool. Most people don't have anybody praying for them. I, I was on the phone today with, with uh, my prayer partner, accountability partner, Pastor Gene Dillon. He's been my, my best friend for a really long time, and we were able to share some things over the phone. You need to get somebody that's praying for you. You need to be able to have the peace in your mind to know, even when you're all jacked up by yourself, that somebody that loves the Lord is thanking God for you and asking God to help you. That's what prayer is, thanking God for somebody and asking God to help them. It doesn't matter if you're a baby Christian or if you've been saved for a thousand years. This will help you pray. How? To thank God for somebody and ask God to help them. You ought to pray every day, God, I thank you for my mom, and I ask you to help my mom, if mom's still with us. You ought to, thank, you ought to tell God every day, God, I thank you for my son, and I ask you to help him. No matter how jacked up or great you feel like your mom or your son is doing, they need God's help. And if they're doing great, God can help them. And if they're doing bad, God can help them still. We got to believe that God is able. Here's what God said about himself. He's able to do more than we could ever ask or think. So we need to ask God to do things for people we love. We need to ask God to help our family members that are struggling and believe that he can. Now, see, when we prayed for a long time and we've asked God to help our family members and it hasn't happened, sometimes we can begin to get weak in our faith and think that it's never going to happen for us. But as long as there's life in them, as long as there's breath in their lungs, 
as long as they're still alive, there's still an opportunity for God to rescue anyone. So thank God for them. Ask God to help them and pray about any specifics. I want everybody in this church to pray for me, to pray for Elder Robin, to pray for our administrator, Dina Mills, to pray for this church every day. You just heard Jim. Jim's been, Jim been in churches way bigger, way better, way older than our church. But he thanks God for this church because God brought this church along and put him in, and the connection was there. If you feel like you're getting something out of coming to this church, if you feel like this is where God wants you to be, you ought to thank God for this church. And I am, I am not too proud to tell you that I need God's help. I need God's help. I can't do this job on my own. If I do this job on my own, I will fail horribly. And then we'll be just like every other church. We'll be looking for a new pastor. I told y'all Sunday, the average pastor moves every 18 to 36 months. Because as soon as they find out, you know, that he's not perfect, they want to fire him. Well, I came into this deal 14 years ago knowing a few things about church. Because I've been saved for a long time and been on staff in other churches. And I knew, man... If they find out that I'm, I've got my own struggles, if they find out I'm not perfect, if they find out I'm just a work in progress like them, if they find out, you know, that I'm not any better of a human being than they are, they might want to fire me as soon as they f- figure that out. So I opened with that message from day one, and I, th- I remind everybody all the time, this, this isn't the church with the perfect preacher. So y'all don't have to fire me for being imperfect, but you need to pray for me. And I want you to pray for me. And I, I, you don't have to know every, listen, I am a single dad. My children watched their mother die when they were two and four years old. My children need prayer. We, we, got, we got emotional drama. Uh, we, we, we need all types of help from God. Uh, and pray that God would give me wisdom and that God would give peace to my children. Uh, let me tell you all something. Some people never eat out. My kids eat out every day. I laughed at them Sunday. We ate out um, three times in less than 12 hours. Because at 9 o'clock, we were at Burger King for breakfast. And then at uh, 1 o'clock, we were at KFC for lunch. And then at 8 o'clock, we were right back at Burger King for dinner. And that was three times out in the same same. They're next door to each other on 103rd Street. I said, this is our third time pulling in this driveway in 11 hours between 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, my kids are being raised. In a, in a single family home. And I, and I always had a burden. I always had a uh, compassion for single parents because there were times when my mom was a single parent between different men. And I always knew pastoring, knowing single parents, not an easy job. And some people make it look easier than it is, but I can tell you for me, it's not an easy job. And so pray for me that God would help me to raise these boys in, in a way that they'll grow up to be um, good Christian men. And pray for me that I would have wisdom. Uh, That's how you pray for somebody. You thank God for them. You ask God to help them. And you pray for them specifically if you can figure out what their specific needs are. One more verse, Deacon Keon. Put up Philippians 4, 6. Real familiar verse for prayer for our church. I want it to be a familiar verse to you. I want you to get to know some of these verses that hold my life together. Because if they can hold me together, they can hold you together too. It says, don't worry about anything, semicolon. That means you got to stop and think about that. Well, that's a whole mouthful all by itself. Don't worry about anything. Well, what about 
my son. Well, what about my situation? No, don't worry about anything. Well, how can that be possible? Well, God gives the alternative by saying instead. He's proposing something different than our worry. Pray about everything. And I take the Bible literally when I can. I understand there's some symbolic things. There's metaphors. There's, there's, there's stuff that's just written for example. But the best way to interpret the Bible is to take it literally when you can. And when God says, don't worry about anything, I believe he literally means that. And when God says, pray about everything, I believe he literally means that. You can pray about everything. I know some people that don't talk to God and ask them to help them with their hidden sin because they don't want to confess to God that they're doing it. Let me tell you, God already knows. You can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool the preacher all the time, but you can't never fool God. You ought to talk to God real. I mean, just honest. Don't pray like you're trying to sound important. Just talk to God the way you would talk to a friend and say, God, it's me. And you know I'm struggling with this, and I need you to help me. If your faith is failing, if if you're not even sure that all this is real, but you want to believe that it's real, tell God that. He said, pray about everything. Just tell him, God, I'm trying to believe in you, but I don't feel anything. You can talk to God about everything. I think that's incredible. That Okay, let's just imagine for a minute that we all believe that this whole God thing is real, this whole Bible thing is real. Jesus, that, that God became a baby and lived a perfect life as Jesus and never sinned and died on the cross, raised himself from the dead, and he's sitting up in heaven. He created everything. This God of the whole world that is in charge all by himself lets us talk to him. That is so amazing. That's beyond miraculous. My life was forever impacted uh, in the early 80s when I met Ronald Reagan. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I didn't agree with everything he had to say. But, I mean, he was an important person. I I know some people went to the inauguration of uh, President Obama. And if you get to meet somebody that's, that's big time, that's awesome. I mean, think about if you got to meet the person that you admired the most. If you got to have a conversation with with somebody, a sports figure, an entertainer, uh, an an important person, that would be so You'd be telling people about that forever, especially if they shut up and let you talk. Now, let me give you a hint. If you're ever in a room with somebody that's more important than you, shut up. Because you can talk for the rest of your life, but you've only got a few seconds with them. Let them talk. Always humble yourself and let let the important person talk because you want to remember what they had to say. But the fact that God lets us talk to him about anything, because I'll be honest with you, I'm just a little country boy from the west side of Jacksonville pastoring some people off Firestone Road in Sweetwater. But I ain't got time to be listening to everybody tell just random stuff. I don't have time. I got a handful of people I got messages from today that are waiting in line to talk to me about stuff going on in their life. And I'm going to talk to them about their big issues. But once they start trying to talk about random stuff, I'm like, hey, tick-tock, clock, I got to go. Um, But God never does that to us. I let folk go to voicemail. Yes, you do too if you got a brain. I'm like, okay, I'm going to let you leave a message because, A, I don't have a pen, and you're going to keep me longer than I want to. Do you realize God don't put us on voicemail? Man, I see some people call, I hit the red button. I don't care if it goes to voicemail or not, I just want to stop ringing. (laughs) God never hits the no button on us talking to him. He said we can pray pray about every single thing. 
And I don't want y'all to get tired of hearing me say the same stuff, but as a parent teaches a child, some things you got to hear repetitively until you really grab hold of it. One of the greatest joys I ever had reading the Bible when I read in Isaiah that God does not grow weary and he cannot be tired. Because I was going through some stuff at the time and I thought, I bet, I was thinking in my mind, I was a young Christian, I was thinking, I bet God is so tired of me trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing and asking help again, asking help again, asking. And I was really, woe is me, and I was feeling like the worst Christian on the planet, and I was really dealing with that. And when I read that, God gave me a realization that if God cannot become tired, then he ain't tired of me. And it just blessed my heart so much, and it renewed my strength, and it gave me hope. I want you to read the Bible enough to where you find something that blesses you. I want you to read the Bible enough until you find something that gives you strength for you. That was such a blessing for me to know that, and I want you to understand the reason why we can pray about everything is because God hadn't got tired of hearing your voice. Now, you know, there's a certain cutoff line we all got for people. I mean, people that you even used to care about, there comes a point where they, if they transgress enough time, just the sound of their voice may make you want to stab them with a pair of scissors. I shouldn't say that on tape. Make you want to, you know, not pray for them as much. Your voice never grates on God's ear. He never gets tired of hearing you ask for the same stuff because he has given us all an open access to pray about everything. He said... And here, we're talking about how to pray, okay? So we already learned before that we want to pray for everybody, all right? Now, that's not possible. I get that, unless you just stop doing everything else. We don't know everybody, okay? So we can't call everybody's name before God because we don't know everybody. But you need to pray for everybody you know, everybody in your world. Pray for all those people. Thank God for them and ask God to help them. Everybody that lives in your house, everybody that you interact with, everybody that you care with, you have a responsibility to daily call their name before God, thank God for that person, and ask God to help that person. Well, what if I already did that yesterday? Do it again today. Do it in the morning. Do it in the afternoon. Do it at night. People need help. You'll be a blessing to somebody by thanking God for them and asking God to help them. But now we get some more pieces to the puzzle where he tells us pray about everything, then he tells us how to do it. Tell God what you need, comma. Pause on that. Tell God what you need. Whoa, we ought to be able to stay there for a while. You, you, you never prayed more than five minutes in your life? Start telling God what you need. Start listing all the things that you need. You can stay on the phone with your girlfriend, with your buddy, and, and talk for an hour and a half about your whining session, about what you're all upset about. Stop talking to other people about stuff that you haven't talked to God about. Because God said you can talk to him about everything. He won't get tired of hearing your voice. And how do we do that? Well, here's, here's one way we pray. We tell God what we need. That's not all, though. It says, and, there's more, thank him. It doesn't say thank him for what he has done. It says thank him for all he has done. Well, now, there is the big portion of prayer for me. Okay, because... I've never, I've never tried to represent myself as more than I am. I'm not a great person. I'm not a great preacher. I'm not a great prayer. I pray every day. I have my quiet time with God. I read the Bible. I, I pray God has blessed me to, to be able to pray more and to enjoy prayer. 
Um, but there are just times where I feel like, okay, God, you know, I've said all my words. But then when I remember that God says to thank him for all that he has done. No matter how many people I can remember to pray for, no matter how much of my prayer list I, I can get out, there's always a lot of things to thank God for. And we take so much for granted. I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, the testimony from, from Ken, uh, God spared him from a car wreck that could have happened. If you didn't get in a car wreck here tonight, you got that same testimony. All you got to do is, I, I don't think there's a time. I come down Brandonfield and get on 103rd and come this way from Brandonfield. And I don't think there's been a time in the year that we've been here that I haven't seen a wreck between Brandonfield and Firestone. On there's always a wreck. Isn't there always a wreck out here, James? I mean, he lives there. There's always a wreck out here. The fact that I get past that three times a week, that, that needs to be, God needs to be thanked for that. I mean, do we really believe that there's a God? If we do, I mean, did we wake up this morning? I got lots of friends on Facebook. Uh, one of them is a friend that I've known uh, since seventh grade. And he puts on his Facebook every day. He's just a humble, good Christian man. Puts on his Facebook every day. I, I thank God uh, for two, two gifts he gave me. He allowed me to open them this morning and live another day. Talking about his eyes. If, 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 if you opened your eyes and you could still see today. If, if you woke up and you realized you're still breathing today. Your heart is still beating today. You ought to thank God for that. Thank him for all he's done. People are going to struggle to pray for the hour that we pray from 7 to 8 o'clock for this 21 days. And that's why we play some background music to cover up the snoring and the other bodily noises that might happen, especially after they fall asleep. Um, but people are going to struggle to pray for an hour. They won't if they remember that God said, tell me everything that you need. I need my bills paid. I need peace of mind. I need strength. Uh, emotional strength. I need wisdom. Tell God everything that you need and then thank him for all that he has done. I mean, seriously. I, I heard somebody on the news yesterday testifying about how they almost got in a wreck and it, they missed by seconds. Had they been going one mile an hour faster on that drive, they would have been right in the middle of it. Well, do you realize that stuff like that happens all the time? Do you realize if, 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 we, if we were... Uh, uh, one mile closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. If we were one mile further away from the sun as a planet, we'd all freeze to death. Do you realize God put everything in perfection? I mean, have you ever thanked God for, for, the, for, for the oxygen that's in the air that we don't have to pay for? Maybe we're living in a world where we, where we buy bottled water, okay? Now, people in my generation, that's, that's tough. I mean, pay for water? What? That's the biggest scam that ever hit America. Let me just say that right off the bat. Paying for water, especially if you do any study on it, almost all these bottled water companies are using tap water, right out of the tap, filling up their bottles of water, okay? Um, but we're buying water. We got to pay for air at the gas station. I mean, I know, I know all this crowd, right? You remember, you used to go to the gas station. You get free air. I mean, you go, they put gas in your car for you, wash your windshield for you. We pay for everything now in this country. Don't have to pay for air. Why? Because nobody can make air and put it in a bottle for atmosphere. Only God can do that. So we need to thank God for that. 
If you've got one person in life that cares about you, you ought to thank God for that. If you've got, if you've got functioning limbs, you ought to thank God for that. See, it's easy when you've got something that's hurting. So I, I, I had an injury three years ago and ripped up some discs in my back. And it was easy to pray all the time about that because that was on my mind. I don't think I'd ever prayed for my back like that before because, you don't. I mean, hopefully you can't feel your earlobes right now. Nobody can feel their hair right now, especially Deacon Jimmy. Um, but you can't feel your hair. You can't feel your fingernail. Why? Because they don't hurt. But when something starts hurting, you, you feel it. And then, sadly, we typically pray for that stuff more after the fact. Well, if your arm works good, thank God for working arms, hands, fingers, sense of smell, eyesight, hearing. Because if you didn't have these things, you would miss them. If these things became impaired, you certainly would pray for them to get better. So let's thank God for it now. Last thing I'm going to tell you. If you've been around, you heard it a lot. Um, I get wisdom from different places. I, I get the bulk of my wisdom from God's word because it's always true. But people that God has put in my life have shared wisdom with me over my 52 years. And, and one, of, one of the primary sources is my mom. And my mom says something that impacts me as a Christian, as a, a son, and as a father. She says, send me my flowers while I'm living. She's not talking literally there. But do you know a lot of people send flowers when mama, daddy, son, daughter, brother, sister, niece, nephew dies? And they never took the time while that person was still alive to go have lunch with them, to pick up a phone and call them. Love on the people in your life while you can because I can tell you as a dude that's getting older every year people don't last forever the scripture declares it's appointed once for everybody to die we've all got an appointment with death now when I started this church I was 38 years old we were younger back then weren't we Cindy Cindy was original one of the original members in our church and we were all young in the prime of our life we were all in our 30s and there was nobody sick in our church. No hospital visitation. Nobody had ever died in, for years in our church. And then I realized, we don't have no old folk in our church. I started praying, God, send us senior adults. Well, now that I've crossed over this 50 barrier, we've got members that have aches and pains, that are having surgeries. That are, I mean, just in the last couple of years, I had my appendix rupture and I had a back surgery. Uh, and listen, your day's coming. Keep living. If you're not loving on the people that are in your life right now the way you should, don't let another day go by. If you've got your mom still with you, if you've got your dad, if your children are still living, if your brother, your sister still living, aunt, uncle, whoever, don't hold grudges. Don't, 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 don't be the one that's just not talking to them because you're going to be sad. I've had so many people that I've had to counsel over the last 30 years that were distraught after some family member died, and they told me our last words were spoken in hate. That is a horrible testimony to have. Love on the people you've got in your life.
If God's blessed you with a spouse, love on that spouse. If God blessed you with children, love on those children. If God blessed you with parents, love on those parents. Because life is always changing. And you got to make sure to love the ones you got. Please live your life on purpose. Don't just exist. Don't just wake up from day to day and let weeks and months pass you by. Live your life every day on purpose. Live your life every day with a purpose to be the best version of you that you can be. To be the best version of who God created you to be. To be the person that God wants you to be. It takes effort, but it's worth it. Let's pray. God, thank you for allowing us to speak to you. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand prayer, to understand you, to pray more, to grow spiritually. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we go into this fast, Lord, that you would accomplish your will in our life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.